reverse diabetes, and stop taking your diabetes medication. If you or someone you care about has diabetes or prediabetes, there's a special free video you need to watch. You may have heard about this. It's all over the Internet. Diabetic99.com People who have followed this plan at Diabetic99.com have not only normalized their blood sugar, but have stopped taking their diabetes meds completely with their doctor's approval. Diabetic99.com is a natural, drug-free approach to reversing diabetes with remarkable results in as little as four weeks. Diabetic99.com will save you from being a slave to doctor-prescribed drugs. It's easy. Diabetic99.com gives you three specific actions to get your blood sugar under control. And the best part is the main ingredient and solution is a common spice found in most kitchens. Watch the free video for yourself at Diabetic99.com. Watch for free at Diabetic99.com. Get back the quality of your life and free yourself from diabetes medication. Go to Diabetic99.com. Boston conservative in the cradle of liberty. You'll want to listen when Chuck Moore speaks on the Information Radio Network. Good afternoon. Chuck Moore speaks Monday through Friday right here at the USA Radio Networks. Welcome to the program. That would be Monday through Friday from 10 till noon Eastern Standard Time. I'd like to thank Adam Trevino for producing today. And my guest uh, is this hour is Nicholas Irving. He is the author of The Reaper, autobiography of one of the deadliest special ops snipers. Uh, Nicholas, thanks for joining me this afternoon. Oh, thank you. Nicholas, we need people like you uh, right now in our military, especially as... Uh, the international Islamic terrorist threat is on the rise. Uh, we've got situations where people are now in other parts of the world uh, being slaughtered for um, going into a grocery store or a mall. We've seen examples even in this country of um, a woman being beheaded at her place of employment in Oklahoma City while her husband was idling in the car outside waiting to pick her up at work. So to suggest that this isn't going to happen in this country is naive. In fact, we now have a report released by the Department of Homeland Security that Al-Shabaab, which is one of these radical Islamic groups, is uh, planning on targeting several malls around the world, including the Mall of America in the United States, which is one of the nation's largest malls. It's right outside of Minneapolis. Uh, so we need people like you. Uh, Nicholas, you are on the front line of defending American life and American property. Uh, but And I congratulate you and thank you for your work. Uh, but, Nicholas, thank I want to ask you a more personal question. I want to know how this experience of yours, and you get into it in The Reaper, how how you're doing, how it's affecting you personally. Uh, when I first got out, it affected me, uh, I guess, uh, significantly, um, things have changed over time and things have gotten better. Um, when I first got out, 
I never regretted anything about, you know, as far as killing anyone. That wasn't my concern. I never really thought about it. It was just uh, losing some, some good friends of mine. That was the only thing that really, I guess, affected me in a, in a negative way. But other than that, things have gotten uh, way better, much improved. Well, 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 I mean, would you mind talking a little bit about how that affected you? Because I think that, um, you know, we want to, I think that as a nation, we want to take care of you and to take care of others who are affected by this very painful and difficult job. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. Um, it would have to go back to a nine-and-a-half-hour firefight. Uh, previous to that firefight, I've only seen, you know, my guys get shot, and I've never watched a guy, you know, be shot in front of me and, and ended up dying from it. Uh, that nine-hour firefight, I want to say we had three guys get shot that day and two of which were within five feet of me one was a few inches from me um it affected me i guess i guess you can call it ptsd it was one of those things where uh that team who came in to save my life and my reconnaissance team uh from being pinned down for three hours by a chechen sniper and a 360 ambush uh we were debating on killing ourselves and we thought that we were going to die we knew we were going to die that day and that small team that came in to save us, uh, watching that uh, same team uh, be shot was, uh, I guess, uh, one of those things that really affected me. Um, it was, I guess, a survivor's, survivor's guilt type of uh, scenario or thing that was going on with me. Well, you know, what you're talking about, of course, is the main problem that that um, that veterans have faced. I mean, uh, you know, Vietnam in particular, but we could probably go back to any war. That you see, uh, you know, your fellow soldiers, your friends, people who are there putting their life on the line to protect you, just like you're putting your life on the line to protect them, that that they're they're killed and that they're, they're maimed and that they don't come out, whereas you do. Um, that's what the um, the story of Chris Kyle is all about. He was affected by that more more than anything. So, you know, it's certainly something to understand. I mean, it's a uh, you know, it's it, it's not the job that you were there to do. That that's not that's something that uh, is not up to question. It's the fact that uh, in the process of doing that job, you you know, people people got hurt and killed. Oh yeah, exactly. Um, that's the only thing that really affected me. Uh, you know, being eighteen, nineteen, twenty years old, and uh, watching another guy who's nineteen or twenty lose their life, and their last words are words to their mom, and. It, it, being able to deal with that and process that at such a young age was a uh, was a hard hard thing to do. Yes, indeed, and uh, you know, I mean, it's uh, I, I think that anyone who hasn't been there can only imagine and have empathy for what for what you're going through. Uh, mm-hmm. Nicholas, can you talk a little bit about your training and your preparation for this job? You being one of the nation's most successful snipers. Uh, did our government do a good job of preparing you both for the actual work itself, but also for for some of the, you know, the emotional side of things? Oh well, I guess starting off, uh, it was around 2007, <clears throat> 2008 when I started my entire sniper process or my sniper career. Um, the budget was a, a little bit more friendly, uh, I guess, in our favor for special operations, and I had access to any you know, sniper school on the market, and uh, most of the guys, like myself, had five-plus sniper schools under our belt before we uh, got out. Um, we were 
highly trained at that time, um, but then due to budget cuts uh, later on, 2009-2010 time frame, those schools started to kind of dwindle away a little bit. Um, they prepared us at one point in time when the war was really high, and then after the war started to die down a little bit and the budget cuts and the money went elsewhere, uh, we didn't have that same amount of, I guess, training as we would previously. Um, as far as getting out, I don't think that the VA or the, military, or the government even, um, I don't think they put enough effort or energy into understanding and putting in the research to what PTSD really is and how it affects us. Uh, I mean, look back at, you know, World War One, World War Two, that time frame, uh, they were testing heroin and, and different types of, you know, drugs and uh, hallucinogens on our, on our troops, uh, trying to figure things out. And I think we're just scratching the surface when it comes to uh, post-traumatic stress. I think we're just scratching the surface when it comes to that. Um, I think there's a lot more that needs to be talked about and dealt with, uh, opposed to just giving troops, you know, pills and prescription drugs, that uh, the mind-altering drugs, and it, it's just one of those things that we need to really uh, invest more time and energy into. You know, I, I've heard some stories like this from uh, from veterans, and um, the idea that when you go into the military, you become a GI, which is government issue. You actually become almost government property, and that uh, there are some pretty hairy stories of the government doing, you know, medical experiments uh, mm -hmm. on people. I mean, um, I know somebody who was exposed to Agent Orange, for example, in the um, in the Kuwait Gulf War, and um, they're damaged for for the rest of their life. You know, they're they're, they're now, fortunately, thank goodness, they're they're functioning, doing security work, but. But, uh, you know, they, they went in and, and uh, they got all sorts of uh, injections and treatments. I mean, I hope that, that this issue could be brought to the fore so that uh, the government will, will not do this sort of thing on people. You know, our veterans don't deserve that, and no one does, but especially not our veterans, to be used as human guinea pigs in some kind of a medical experiment, for God's sakes. Oh, um, yeah, Exactly. Exactly. I, I don't agree with that. Um, I, we were given tons and tons of different shots. Um, so I have no idea what they were. Um, but yeah, I recall just getting, you know, every six months, every three months, just random shots or uh, anthrax shots, or it was just weird. Um, just we had we had a lot of shots. It was one of those type of, uh, I guess, yeah, not, yeah like guinea pig type of uh, experiments, maybe. No, I mean, look, it's not good for you. You know, this isn't oh, yeah. something that's, um, <laughs> it's not being done for benevolent reasons. You know, this exactly. is a, a, a whole a whole story that, I mean, somebody should do a book on this topic. Maybe I'll write it. I mean, this is, oh, yeah. uh, you know, something that, yeah, it needs, it needs some public exposure. And it needs, we need to hear from people who have gone through it and, uh, and some deeper research in terms of exactly what's going on here and why. Um, mm -hmm. Nicholas Irving is my guest. The book is The Reaper, Autobiography of One of the Deadliest Special Ops Snipers. This is a really gripping and exciting book. It gets into situations that uh, Nicholas was in in, 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 um, in, in in Afghanistan that are just uh, absolutely hair-raising. Nicholas, I started the conversation here by pointing out that what's going on over there could very well come around here. 
Uh, am I right about that? I mean, is this, a, you know, the people that you were dealing with, these terrorists who's, you know, who are driven by a, a, an ideological whatever, a, a religion, whatever you want to call it, that they feel that it's a great idea to go slaughter people because they don't submit or who knows why. I don't want to know why. I just don't want it to happen. Are they coming here, and is this going to be something that we're going to be seeing uh, in coming months and years? I honestly believe so. Um, I really do. We just—it was in New York. They had uh, just arrested three um, three individuals who had ties and connections and um, communications with uh, the ISIS group here in New York. And with all the threats coming in, um, and I'm looking on TV, and I can see. You know the 100 plus Christians who are being beheaded by ISIS, and it, it's it's just a matter of time. It's not a matter of uh, you know, is it going to happen? Yes, I honestly do believe it is going to happen. I think that we've, you know, become way too relaxed overseas with our rules of engagement, and uh, the troops are not allowed to take the fight to the enemy. And now we're kind of in a retreat mode. So once we start to back off and retreat, that gains their momentum. And that's something we were always taught not to do in the military. Never give your enemy uh, the momentum to do any any harm to you. You want to keep that fight on until you're, com- you know, the enemy is completely destroyed. Uh, we we stopped doing that for quite some time now. Now we're starting to see the rise of uh, the Islamic State, and it's just a matter of time before I think they do come here. And uh, you look back at 9/11, we had our guard down, um, and you know the tragic event happened. And immediately after that, we picked up and, and deployed and uh, boosted up our homeland security and all these types of different things and uh, organizations. But I don't want it to come to that. We should already have eliminated this threat a long time ago. You know, the uh, well, the, I, I think that the vast majority of Americans agree with that. But we have a situation right now where the White House refuses to uh, classify the Taliban as terrorists. They refuse to identify the victims of ISIS in Libya as Christians. They just say they're Egyptian. They seem awfully squishy about not only calling these enemies of America terrorists, but identifying what they are and, and who they're killing. And, you know, they refuse to mention that the, the terrorists who went in and slaughtered people at a grocery store in Paris, did so because they were trying to kill Jews. You know, didn't want to use that word. Doesn't want to, you know. Do you see that as a problem with regard to uh, our effectively engaging this enemy? All right, we're going to take oh. a break here. We'll be right back. We'll, Nicholas, please sit tight. Uh, Nicholas Irving is my guest. The book is The Reaper. Miss Sprint's Cut Your Bill in Half event. Just bring your Verizon or AT&T bill and turn in your old phone, and we'll cut your rate plan in half. So if you're paying $260 a month for your family's four lines with Verizon, we'll cut it to $130. Or if you're paying $80 for yourself, we'll cut it to $40. Plus, we'll give you unlimited talk and text in the U.S. and match your data all on the Sprint Network. The Cut Your Bill in Half event at Sprint. Bring us your Verizon or AT&T bill and turn in your old phone, and we'll cut your rate plan in half. Visit us at Sprint.com slash half price or go to a Sprint store today. 
Limited time offer available when you choose a leasing option or Sprint Easy Pay. Subject to credit and valid consumer report. Discount applied to monthly voice, text, and data charges with a minimum $10 monthly rate charge. Excludes taxes, surcharges, add-ons, apps, premium content, international services, additional lines, and device charges. Other plans may receive prioritized bandwidth availability. To improve data experience for the majority of users, throughput may be limited, varied, or reduced on the network. Max of 10 lines per account. No cash back. Third-party marks are property of their respective owners. Restrictions apply. Last night, we put on an epic light show. Yeah, we did. The crowd loved us. We love the crowd. Wait, but there were only four people out there. Yeah, but did you see their four faces? All eight of their eyes lit up brighter than ours. <sighs> and we're fireflies. Yeah, we are. Hey, that one girl, she looked like she'd never seen glow in the dark like this before. And we invented glow in the dark. Yeah, we invented it. And we're going to be out here every night rocking out our light show at a forest near you. Woohoo! So come check us out. Check us out. And bring your kid all ages show. Oh, but uh, don't bring any of those glass jars because they make us kind of nervous. Yeah, and I'm super claustrophobic. Whether you're rocking their world or they're rocking yours, some memories never fade. Come alive with the forest. Visit discovertheforest.org to find a forest near you and discover other cool things to do when you go, like fishing, biking, or even camping. Visit discovertheforest.org. See you later. Yeah, see you soon. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. What if I told you that you could reverse diabetes and stop taking your diabetes medication? If you or someone you care about has diabetes or prediabetes, there's a special free video you need to watch. You may have heard about this. It's all over the Internet. Diabetic99.com People who have followed this plan at Diabetic99.com have not only normalized their blood sugar, but have stopped taking their diabetes meds completely with their doctor's approval. Diabetic99.com is a natural, drug-free approach to reversing diabetes with remarkable results in as little as four weeks. Diabetic99.com will save you from being a slave to doctor-prescribed drugs. It's easy. Diabetic99.com gives you three specific actions to get your blood sugar under control. And the best part is the main ingredient and solution is a common spice found in most kitchens. Watch the free video for yourself at Diabetic99.com. Watch for free at Diabetic99.com. Get back the quality of your life and free yourself from diabetes medication. Go to Diabetic99.com. This report is brought to you by the National Limousine Association, NLA. Ride-hailing mobile apps offer a new way for city dwellers fed up with traditional transportation to get around town. But sometimes that convenience comes at a premium most passengers seem unwilling to pay, particularly if it compromises their safety. The NLA recently commissioned Harris Poll to conduct an online survey of over 2,000 U.S. adults 18 and older. 73% would not use ride-hailing apps like Uber, Lyft, Sidecar, and Whisk if doing so put them in harm's way, even if they were convenient. 81% of Americans see it also important to have privacy protection from their car service drivers. 84% think fares should be set regardless of traffic conditions. NLA is creating Ride Responsibly, an initiative focused on educating the industry and public about regulations, legislation, and best practices within the industry. For more information, visit rideresponsibly.org. Taking back America one listener at a time. Chuck Morse speaks. Thanks so much. Nicholas Irving is my guest. The Reaper, autobiography of one of the deadliest special ops snipers. Nicholas, I asked you about uh, the administration's refusal to identify the nature of this enemy. And I'm wondering if, uh, I mean, if you think that could be 
a problem with regard to our ability to properly defeat this enemy. What do you think? Oh, definitely. Uh, I think it is a problem. If you don't address the enemy for what it is, it's the Islamic State. That's what they want it to be referred to as. Um, if you don't fully understand your enemy, then you can't defeat your enemy. Um, I, I'm not sure why they're not classifying them, uh, you know, in that group or category as what they want to be referred to. And I'm not sure what the whole strategy is behind that, but there needs to be some, t- or some change to that whole, uh, I guess, process or way of thinking. It's uh, it's very strange when you when you look at it on the surface. Here we have uh, people like yourself risking your life, going out there and doing a job that um, we're all grateful for. And here at home, our own government refuses to identify publicly the true nature of this enemy, what their ideology is, what they believe in. I mean, we certainly didn't worry about that during World War II. I mean, mm-hmm. Franklin Roosevelt exactly. identified Nazis as exactly what they were. He wasn't worried about offending anybody. You know, it wasn't an attack on Germans. You know, it mm-hmm. was an attack. I mean, when Reagan talked about the evil empire, you know, he wasn't talking about the Russian people. He was talking mm-hmm. about Soviet communism. I mean, he was identifying the nature of the of that regime, and he was contrasting it with our superior regime, our superior way of life, you know, freedom. I mean, we have to expect our government to do that. We can't be worried about hurting people's feelings. I, you know, to hell with their feelings. These are people who are, these are killers. You know, they're slaughtering innocent people. I mean, it's, uh, it's just, uh, it's a policy that's insane. Uh, I just don't get that. And it's, uh, it demoralizes everyone to not do that. We should be clearly identifying who we are and contrasting that with who they are. It's that simple. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't oh, get I that. I definitely agree. Uh, I'm not sure, like I said, I'm not sure what the process is, but if we're in this global war on terrorism and these people are not terrorists, then why are we b- dropping bombs on them and debating on if we want to send troops over there? Let's classify them for what they are. They're terrorists, terrorist organization. And as far as hurting your feelings, I'm not really worried too much about that if I'm going to go over there and essentially end that person's life. Uh, I don't see the, That's the, right. the, the the mental, I guess, process way of thinking. Uh, I'm not going to hurt their feelings, or I don't want to hurt their feelings, but yet I'm going to come overseas. My government's going to deploy me to come kill you. But I don't want to hurt your you. You actually did. Oh, yeah, sure. I mean, you did the job, and, 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 and doing so, you represented every single American. And that is you stopped people who are aggressively trying to kill us and are doing so. This isn't just a threat. I mean, they are doing everything they can to carry it out. You know, this is real. I mean, this is, uh, you know, and we, you know, people like yourself have stepped up and actually got out there and done the deed. You've stopped them. And, you know, thank God for it. Uh, Nicholas, are others, I mean, do you think that, I mean, I would hope that others uh, would be encouraged if if they have the ability, and it's a very special ability, to to get involved in the special training that you had to become a special ops sniper, uh, what would you say to someone who uh, might be considering this, who who might be listening to this broadcast? I mean, uh, w- what can they expect, and and would you encourage them to do it? Oh yeah, well, what you can expect is it, it's. It, you're, you're, you're playing with odds at that point. Um, the, the chances of even making it that far is 
say around 80%, 85% dropout rate. Um, it's a very, very tough process, but you know, nothing's impossible. It's just a mental a mental mindset of never quitting, never giving up, that no one can make you quit. It's up to you. Um, it's not the world's toughest school or the world's toughest uh, accomplishment or thing to achieve. It just it, it can be done. As far as someone wanting to pursue it uh, and go fight, I would definitely say it, there's nothing wrong with going to get that skill set. But at this point in time, uh, before I you know got on the line with you, I was talking to one of my guys, and it's uh, one of those things where uh, you lose the morale of the troops when you're being forced to fight with your hands behind your back. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if I would, I don't know how I would feel if I were still in that, in that, you know, uh, deployment mode or still deploying, um, if I was going overseas and I could not perform or do my job. And, uh, I don't know how I would feel about that. It's a good skill set to have, but I mean, just let, let us use it would be my thing. Well, I'd like to, we're going to take another break. I'd like to get, when we get back, I'd like you to elaborate a little bit on what you mean by playing with your hands tied behind your back. All right, we'll be right back. Nicholas Irving is my guest. The Reaper is the book. Please stay tuned. Cut your bill in half of it. Just bring your Verizon or AT&T bill and turn in your old phone, and we'll cut your rate plan in half. So if you're paying $260 a month for your family's four lines with Verizon, we'll cut it to $130. Or if you're paying $80 for yourself, we'll cut it to $40. Plus, we'll give you unlimited talk and text in the U.S. and match your data all on the Sprint Network. The Cut Your Bill in Half event at Sprint. Bring us your Verizon or AT&T bill and turn in your old phone, and we'll cut your rate plan in half. Visit us at Sprint.com slash half price or go to a Sprint store today. Limited time offer available when you choose a leasing option or Sprint Easy Pay. Subject to credit and valid consumer port. Discount applied to monthly voice, text, and data charges with a minimum $10 monthly rate charge. Excludes taxes, surcharges, add-ons, apps, premium content, international services, additional lines, and device charges. Other plans may receive prioritized bandwidth availability. To improve data experience for the majority of users, throughput may be limited, varied, or reduced on the network. Max of 10 lines per account. No cash back. Third-party marks are property of their respective owners. Restrictions apply. This report is brought to you by the National Limousine Association, NLA. Ride-hailing mobile apps offer a new way for city dwellers fed up with traditional transportation to get around town. But sometimes that convenience comes at a premium most passengers seem unwilling to pay, particularly if it compromises their safety. The NLA recently commissioned Harris Poll to conduct an online survey of over 2,000 U.S. adults 18 and older. 73% would not use ride-hailing apps like Uber, Lyft, Sidecar, and Whisk if doing so put them in harm's way, even if they were convenient. 81% of Americans see it also important to have privacy protection from their car service drivers. 84% think fares should be set regardless of traffic conditions. NLA is creating Ride Responsibly, an initiative focused on educating the industry and public about regulations, legislation, and best practices within the industry. For more information, visit rideresponsibly.org. Chuck Morse speaks. Thank you very much. And my guest is Nicholas Irving. He is the author of The Reaper, autobiography of one of the deadliest special ops snipers available at Amazon and uh, and at major bookstores. Uh, Nicholas, you say that um, 
snipers are operating with one hand tied behind their back. What do you mean by that? I look at my last deployment, um, and after talking to the guys, the deployments after that, uh, we were faced with, in a, I guess, uh, with the rules of engagement where we would have to be shot at before we were able to take out a target um, and shot at effectively. And at any point in time where the enemy knows my position, I bet that's already a really, really bad thing. Um, mm. And to be able to, to, to not shoot first, even though I see a threat, a guy's clearly you know posing a threat to the enemy troop that I'm overwatching, um, and not being able to take that guy out was really a, I guess, a hard thing to deal with as far as the ROE. Um, we're not allowed to uh, look at the assault force, and we're not allowed to do certain uh, entry methods into houses or to go get bad guys. Um, all the intel's there that, you know, we know that this guy is bad. He's been doing um, a lot of bad things. He's killed a bunch of people already. He's an IED maker or suicide vest maker, and he stores all this equipment inside of his house, and, he you know, he's making it right now. Um, we've I guess towards the end of the war, we started facing uh, the situation where we had to, I guess, not necessarily use the entry method we would like to. It became more dangerous for us. And in 2010, or not, I'm sorry, not 2010, it was, uh, I want to say 2012 time frame, um, I lost, not I lost personally, but uh, my spotter was on this operation and 30 rangers were wounded, um, some killed because of the rules of engagement had changed. Uh, 30 guys lost in in one night because of a suicide guy, suicide vest. That's unbelievable. Um, who, uh, I mean, which kind of bureaucrat is making these decisions? I mean, this couldn't be somebody who um, knows what's going on in the field. I mean, this is, it's insane. Um, you oh, yeah. know, and what is their rationale? I mean, I'd like to talk to someone who has, who has decided to do this. I mean, it's, it's really, um, Obviously, not someone who knows anything about combat. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, my number one or our number one method of, you know, going after bad guys were to, you know, sneak around at night, blow open the door, and go in and either capture the guy or if he poses a threat, kill the guy. Um, not have a discussion outside of his house and wait for him to, you know, get ready. Um, that's what we faced around the 2009 time frame when I was there. Um, we'd literally have to wait. It's outside very strange. And, yeah, call these guys out and, I guess, you know, plead for them to come out, but we, we're not allowed to uh, damage oh a doorway and or damage the house. Oh, yeah. I mean, I specifically would like to know who decided that, that policy and why. I mean, I, I mean, this it would be like telling General Washington that after he crossed the Delaware, he wouldn't be allowed mm -hmm. to attack the Hessians. I mean, it's a, mm -hmm. you know, hello? You know, it's like, is this exactly. a war? What, what, why bother? It's just a... Yeah, it's, I know there were some of these sort of same things that went on in in Vietnam toward the end. Also, I mean, planes were told that they couldn't leave an airport, and they were told they could not bomb certain sites, even though they were military. And uh, and the result was disaster. You know, I mean, there was a war that could have been won probably very quickly. Instead, it dragged on, and it cost tens of thousands of innocent lives of Americans, not to mention Vietnamese. They're not helping anyone. They're not helping people in 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 uh, in Afghanistan by doing this. These people are exactly. killing more Afghans than they are Americans. Mm -hmm. uh, exactly. It's just a it's it's an utterly insane policy. It makes no sense at all. I mean, is, is there any 
you know, official or even unofficial explanation for what these people are thinking? Uh, I think it boils down to what they, what we were told was um, just winning the hearts and minds. And, and we started off our whole operation going overseas was to go take out the enemy. Okay, we'll be right back. One more break here. I guess is Nicholas Irving. That's not the Reaper. We'll be right back. A Truth Talk defender, Chuck Morse, is someone you really do want to know. Chuck hosts the radio talk show Chuck Moore Speaks, which is nationally syndicated. He's the author of books and numerous columns that have been published broadly. Chuck received the 2003 Communicator of the Year Award and was named a heavy 100 radio talk host by Talkers Magazine. When Chuck Moore Speaks, people listen. The taking possession of this tiny holy land so that the, the Jew can serve God, not conquer the world. To hear Chuck live, go to irnusaradio.com. To hear Chuck with Deborah Ray on Truth Talk Beyond the Soundbite, visit the on-demand page at deborahray.us. Most of us have pondered about the one universal question. Is there a God? And if there is, is there any absolute proof? It is for that exact reason why my good friend Sam Sorbo and I, Marius Forte, have written our book, The Answer, Proof of God in Heaven. In essence, the answers in our book are surprisingly simple as they're true. Just as light will eliminate darkness, so does the law, which in Greek is called cosmos, eliminate the possibility of chance. Therefore, chance had no part in the creation of the law of this cosmos. And so the only other possibility is that the law was created by a creator that we call God. The answer, Proof of God in Heaven, is probably one of the most powerful books that truly proves the existence of God via His universal laws, and with it that of an eternal soul and everlasting life. Please find our book, The Answer, Proof of God in Heaven, now on Amazon.com or at our website, theanswer-book.com. Diabetes and stop taking your diabetes medication. If you or someone you care about has diabetes or prediabetes, there's a special free video you need to watch. You may have heard about this. It's all over the internet. Diabetic99.com. People who have followed this plan at Diabetic99.com have not only normalized their blood sugar, but have stopped taking their diabetes meds completely with their doctor's approval. Diabetic99.com is a natural, drug-free approach to reversing diabetes with remarkable results in as little as four weeks. Diabetic99.com will save you from being a slave to doctor-prescribed drugs. It's easy. Diabetic99.com gives you three specific actions to get your blood sugar under control. And the best part is the main ingredient and solution is a common spice found in most kitchens. Watch the free video for yourself at Diabetic99.com. Watch for free at Diabetic99.com. Get back the quality of your life and free yourself from diabetes medication. Go to Diabetic99.com. Chuck Morse Speaks. Thanks so much, and Nicholas Irving's my guest, The Reaper, autobiography of one of the deadliest special ops snipers. So, uh, Nicholas, we have the same old... Uh, political hacks sitting in their comfortable offices looking at computer screens 
and making decisions about the conduct of war and uh, decisions that uh, are not really connected to good sense uh, or even reality. I mean, the idea of that they're going to win hearts and minds by allowing mm -hmm. um, snipers or allowing killers on the other side to to kind of operate with impunity. Whose hearts and minds are we talking about? I mean, the people of Afghanistan, they, they need this. I mean, the fact is that uh, I think that one of the uh, the reasons why the Taliban has been able to survive is because the people of Afghanistan, the average person, doesn't trust the United States to do the job. And they know that when the United States cuts and runs, or at least they feel they will, they're going to have to deal with the Taliban, and that's not going to be easy. So they exactly. kind of keep their nose clean. You know, they keep, they lay low. I mean, they just, uh, you know, and, and, and so they're not, win I mean, what would win their hearts and minds is if the United States simply stepped up very simply and did a job that they probably could do in a relatively short period of time if they were allowed to conduct the, the war in a proper manner, which is to stop this enemy. Uh, th mm -hmm. This idea of, of tampering with that is, uh, it's really, it's not only insane, but it's, it actually is counterproductive. It leads to a lack of faith and a lack of confidence, not just in the United States, but in the moderate government in Kabul. You know, the, the, how are they going to be able to uh, actually conduct a, a reasonable system of, of um, security and law and order if, if we can't get rid of this, this enemy? Exactly. So, um, you know, th these policies need to be examined. Oh, definitely. I agree 100%. 100%. Uh, there, there's, there's something called war, and uh, there's only really one definition of war. Uh, when they start to try to alter that definition of what the meaning of war is and why guys go to war, uh, things never turn out the way, um, I guess, the plan, the plan they present uh, by, uh, I guess, uh, allowing the enemy to have the upper hand. It should never be, never be that way. We should always have the upper hand and be allowed to do our job. Absolutely. Okay, we'll be right back to uh, conclude the interview. Nicholas Irving is my guest. The Reaper, autobiography of one of the deadliest special officers. Most of us have pondered about the one universal question. Is there a God? And if there is, is there any absolute proof? It is for that exact reason why my good friend Sam Sorbo and I, Marius Forte, have written our book, The Answer. Proof of God in Heaven. In essence, the answers in our book are surprisingly simple as they're true. Just as light will eliminate darkness, so does the law, which in Greek is called cosmos, eliminate the possibility of chance. Therefore, chance had no part in the creation of the law, this cosmos. And so the only other possibility is that the law was created by a creator that we call God. The answer, Proof of God in Heaven, is probably one of the most powerful books that truly proves the existence of God via His universal laws, and with it that of an eternal soul and everlasting life. Please find our book, The Answer, Proof of God in Heaven, now on Amazon.com or at our website, theanswer-book.com. You'll want to listen when Chuck Moore speaks on the Information Radio Network. Thank you very much, and uh, my guest is uh, Nicholas Irvin, the Reaper, autobiography of one of the deadliest special ops snipers. Nicholas, last uh, week the uh, Academy Awards snubbed 
the movie American Sniper, which was about, of course, uh, American sniper Chris Kyle, the late Chris Kyle. And uh, yet, in spite of the fact that that movie was a bigger success in the box office than all of the movies listed combined, uh, the producer of that, the director of that movie, Clint Eastwood, wasn't even nominated for an Academy Award. What do you make of that? I mean, this disconnect between uh, our sort of elite establishment and what the American people have demonstrated that they'd like to be inspired by. I think that we've definitely spoken numbers when it came to uh, exactly what made a good movie or what the American people wanted to see. Uh, This war's been going on for over a decade now, and little information is really out there. There's a few old stories, a few good stories, but to have it documented on film, that's only been done uh, a few times. Um, do I think he was snubbed? Of course, uh, especially when you you know factor in that all the movies combined uh, that were nominated didn't even touch Chris Kyle's number. Um, but at the end of the day, I look at it. You know, did Taya or did the Kyle um, family need a trophy? Uh, look at Chris Kyle's chest when he wore his uniform. Um, all the two bronze stars, or multiple bronze stars, uh, silver stars, and uh, all the achievements he had in the military outweigh any Academy Award or any Oscar. Oh, absolutely. In fact, the fact that the Academy Award rejected him actually, I think, adds to his luster. Um, I want to ask exactly. you a bit of a, a question here about um, about the uh, the assassin uh, who killed uh, Chris Kyle and Chad Littlefield. Uh, there have been reports, and again, it's only speculation, that he might have been a convert to Islam. And the evidence was that, first of all, he had a beard that was typical of uh, of Islamic radicals, a very closely trimmed mustache with a bushier beard. And secondly, that he had been a guard at an, a, a prison uh, in Iraq for many years guarding Islamic uh, prisoners and terrorists. Uh, and in that time, he got to know them and spent a lot of time with them. So there's speculation that he might have been... Uh, you know, a convert who uh, was engaging in an act of jihad. Have you heard anything about that, and do you have an opinion about it? I've heard a few, um, you know, stories out there you know, regarding that. Um, if it is true that he was, a, you know, a, a, sympath- a sympathizer of the Islamic, uh, I guess, religion, it would make sense um, why he would kill Chris Kyle. Uh, I've also heard stories of his mom being on different uh, illegal drugs, as well as, you know, um, the assassin being on drugs as well. I think a lot of things come into play. He tried to claim PTSD, which every veteran knows that that was uh, complete baloney when you're uh, talking about PTSD, and that's why he decided to kill Chad Littlefield and, and Chris Kyle. Um, I'm not sure his mind was even in the right place to begin with, and uh, my experience talking to different, the extremist uh, religious guys from overseas were, uh, they, they 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 try to I guess um, I guess brainwash you into believing that their religion is the right way and killing is, if you don't submit to their religion is the ultimate thing to do. I mean he could have easily uh, heard that and, and started to believe it. Who knows? Uh, I just think the guy was a yeah. complete nut job. Right. Well, I mean I think it is. It should be noted though that this was not a case of PTSD. I mean that. That was rejected completely by the jury, and that's actually an attack on veterans, uh, this whole idea. So uh, 
you know, we, we need to, uh, once that's been determined, which it has been by a jury, um, I think this should be an investigation in terms of exactly what went, what, what happened there. We need to know exactly. because that could be a time bomb in the future that we better watch for. You know, this was, mm-hmm. uh, a, 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 what was this a premeditated murder or, and who, and who was this person? Um, we're reaching toward the end of the program, Nicholas, so I'd like you to, you know, give some parting thoughts and, and maybe let people know, of course, how they can get in touch with you and how they can uh, get copies of your excellent book. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely. I, it's uh, the last thoughts um, regarding this entirely, uh, the topics we discussed would be, I would just uh, write your congressman, write write someone um, expressing your, you know, uh, your, not beliefs, but uh, your concern with the whole Islamic State. Let it be what it is. It's the Islamic State. They're terrorists, terrorist organization. Um, let's start taking the fight to them. Let the troops do their job. Uh, don't, don't tie their hands behind their back and have them try to stop this threat from happening here in the United States. Um, that's what I'd like to say about that. And as far as yeah, getting the book, it's on Amazon.com uh, and any major bookstore. And all my contact information is in the back of that book and uh, email addresses and training funds. All right, Nicholas Irving. Listen, I want to thank you for joining me this afternoon. Nicholas Irving is the author of The Reaper, autobiography of one of the deadliest special ops. I told you that you could reverse diabetes and stop taking your diabetes medication. If you or someone you care about has diabetes or prediabetes, there's a special free video you need to watch. You may have heard about this. It's all over the Internet. Diabetic99.com. People who have followed this plan at Diabetic99.com have not only normalized their blood sugar, but have stopped taking their diabetes meds completely with their doctor's approval. Diabetic99.com is a natural, drug-free approach to reversing diabetes with remarkable results in as little as four weeks. Diabetic99.com will save you from being a slave to doctor-prescribed drugs. It's easy. Diabetic99.com gives you three specific actions to get your blood sugar under control. And the best part is the main ingredient and solution is a common spice found in most kitchens. Watch the free video for yourself at Diabetic99.com. Watch for free at Diabetic99.com. Get back the quality of your life and free yourself from diabetes medication. Go to Diabetic99.com. Author, journalist, and American patriot. This is Chuck Morse Speaks. Thank you very much. And again, I want to thank, uh, I want to thank Nicholas Irving, the author of The Reaper, autobiography of one of the deadliest special ops snipers. Uh, I'm involved in an interesting, um, little business venture right now that I think I should mention since it's something I'm making available. And that is that I discovered, thanks to a guest of mine, that being Patrick Gilligan, that American that several American states, including my own state of Massachusetts, have recently deregulated energy and gas utilities, or both. In Massachusetts, it's just the energy utility. But what this means is that for the first time in over half a century, these utilities are going to have to compete in the open on the open market, just like any other company, and that's going to lower the cost of energy and gas to the consumer. Uh, you know, this happened when uh, the, the telephone 
was re- was deregulated in the 1980s when uh, Ma Bell ended up having to compete with companies like Sprint and other companies which came into different states. And the cost of telephone service went down for everyone, and people were able to buy alternative services to the one that had been a monopoly by one company in that state. And so I'm representing a sort of an exchange. A, uh, you know, it's it, it has some similarities, quite frankly, with Obamacare, I guess, uh, or at least on Massachusetts level, my state, Romney Care in that I I am basically talking with businesses, even with municipalities, with uh, nonprofits, and I am taking their their electric bill and I am putting it out for an auction for bids from alternative energy companies to see if I can get a better contract for them with a lower monthly rate locked in, like sort of like a... uh, a fixed rate mortgage where they know how much their cost per per annum of electricity is going to be that it's not going to change so if you want information about this and I'll get into it in the second hour go to my blog site at Chuck Horstein's okay we'll be back after these after news to you by the National Limousine Association NLA Ride-hailing mobile apps offer a new way for city dwellers fed up with traditional transportation to get around town. But sometimes that convenience comes at a premium most passengers seem unwilling to pay, particularly if it compromises their safety. The NLA recently commissioned Harris Poll to conduct an online survey of over 2,000 U.S. adults 18 and older. 73% would not use ride-hailing apps like Uber, Lyft, Sidecar, and Whisk if doing so put them in harm's way, even if they were convenient. 81% of Americans see it also important to have privacy protection from their car service drivers. 84% think fares should be set regardless of traffic conditions. NLA is creating Ride Responsibly, an initiative focused on educating the industry and public about regulations, legislation, and best practices within the industry. For more information, visit rideresponsibly.org. First diabetes and stop taking your diabetes medication. If you or someone you care about has diabetes or prediabetes, there's a special free video you need to watch. You may have heard about this. It's all over the Internet. Diabetic99.com. People who have followed this plan at Diabetic99.com have not only normalized their blood sugar, but have stopped taking their diabetes meds completely with their doctor's approval. Diabetic99.com is a natural, drug-free approach to reversing diabetes with remarkable results in as little as four weeks. Diabetic99.com will save you from being a slave to doctor-prescribed drugs. It's easy. Diabetic99.com gives you three specific actions to get your blood sugar under control. And the best part is the main ingredient and solution is a common spice found in most kitchens. Watch the free video for yourself at Diabetic99.com. Watch for free at Diabetic99.com. Get back the quality of your life and free yourself from diabetes medication. Go to Diabetic99.com. Boston conservative in the cradle of liberty. You'll want to listen when Chuck Moore speaks on the Information Radio Network.
And you're listening, of course, to the USA Radio Networks. Chuck Moore Speaks, Monday through Friday, 10 till noon Eastern Standard Time. I want to thank Adam Trevino, our producer, and welcome to the show. You know, I want to again thank Nicholas Irving, uh, the author of The Reaper. He's one of America's most decorated special ops snipers. And, uh, you know, one of the takeaways I have from that interview is no wonder we're, we're losing the war. He talks about special uh, engagement rules that were put in place recently in Afghanistan and imagine probably, uh, we can assume, under President Obama, which basically says that, as he said, the, uh, the military is to fight with one arm tied behind their back as if this is going to win friends in Afghanistan. You know, they call it hearts and minds. Yeah, sure. Oh, they really, people's hearts are going to go out when you have a, a, a military who is there who isn't stopping this terrible killing enemy. These people are massive mass murderers. You know, as I said, I mean, this is a different war than uh, than we confronted against the communists who were inside the United States uh, in the 1930s, 40s, and 50s, and even against the Nazis, their close socialist cousins. You know, they, they weren't going out just and slaughtering innocent people in public. I mean, at least not generally. I mean, there certainly are examples of, of situations where they did do that, by the way. But for the most part, they, you know, people like, you know, Alger Hiss and, and them, who were trying to help both Adolf Hitler and Joseph Stalin in the first two years of World War II, they wanted to overthrow this country, for sure. They wanted to create a Soviet-style America. In fact, uh, William Z. Foster, at the time the the uh, head of the American Communist Party, actually wrote a book and published it called Toward Soviet America. Uh, but yet they were not doing it through and and they very well may have sought to do it through violence. Um, you know, the, the Weather Underground, for example, they were bombing uh, the Pentagon. They were they tried to bomb buildings. There's a guy who bombed the math department at the um, the University of uh, of Wisconsin, which of course is is the closest thing we have to what we're talking about here. But nevertheless, they maintained a certain level of of law, or, or at least of respect for our social fabric. They weren't just going into, you know, supermarkets with guns blazing, slaughtering innocent people because they don't like Jews, or, you know, blowing up malls where they're killing, you know, anybody who isn't a Muslim, as they did in Nairobi about a year or two ago. You know, or, uh, you know, slaughtering uh, people in the media that they don't agree with. They were doing that, at least not to the degree that we have seen now. So I suppose that in that sense, the enemy then was not as evil as the enemy is now. You know, look what the Israelis have to deal with. You know, people showing up on buses in order to blow up as many Jews as possible and doing so. You know, it's a fairly regular occurrence in Israel showing up at a pizza restaurant or at a you know at a, at a disco and on the beach in Tel Aviv 
or at a cafeteria at, the, at, at Hebrew University and setting off a bomb in order to kill as many people as possible because these people had the effrontery to be Jews in a um, and not submit. You know, certainly the communists wanted submission in the United States uh, back when they were at high levels of our society, but they didn't go to those literal extremes, at least not in most cases, uh, in terms of really taking the law into their own hands. I suppose we should, maybe I'm being a little racist here by, by, by ignoring the fact that they slaughtered a lot of African Americans in the course of their engaging in riots in cities which they looted and burned to the ground, cities that never really recovered, like Detroit and Newark and certain neighborhoods in Los Angeles and Chicago. So I suppose in that sense, yeah, they were slaughtering innocent people. But uh, now we have a situation where um, we have military personnel, we have well-trained snipers like like Nicholas Irving doing the job in the name of America that, that we all would would like to see done and that we should all, and our, most of us are grateful that they're doing this job and they deserve our unabiding um, support and love. You know, they're saving our lives. But they're told by a bunch of hacks who are sitting around in a plush office somewhere in Washington with their computers that they shouldn't go in and kill people who are in in bomb factories getting ready to kill or send out someone with a suicide belt because they have to wait until they come out first and do something. You know, as if this is a situation similar to a domestic police matter where that is appropriate, by the way. We're not talking about here that. We're talking about a war where they have the intelligence. They know who these people are. They've targeted them. They've located them. But they, they're they supposed to sit around and wait and risk their lives. You know, this has even become somewhat true in Israel. And Israel, of course, has a different situation, I suppose, because the Israelis do have to live cheek by jowl with non-Jewish residents who uh, who can be agitated by propaganda um, and and are. By the way, there's an interesting uh, little story coming out of Israel. Um, this young man who is an Israeli Arab who criticized uh, the Palestinians, uh, Hamas, Hamas-controlled Palestinians in Gaza for, you know, terrorism. He was threatened. Now he wants to join the, the IDF. I actually think there were a lot of um, non-Jewish Israelis, Arabs in particular, who would like to support Israel and who even would like to fight for Israel, but they're afraid to do so because of the terrorists. And that if Israel uh, really stepped up and clearly drew a line and said, we're going to give citizenship and support to our non-Jewish citizens, 
but we're going to completely and utterly defeat the terrorist enemy. I think that it's reasonable to suggest, and it's based upon more than observable evidence, that hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of non-Jewish residents of Israel, most of whom would identify themselves as either Israeli Arab or Palestinian Arab, that they would accept citizenship in Israel and that they would proudly support Israel as a Jewish state in the same way that I suppose Muslims support uh, Islamic states around the world. They would do so out of a sense of fairness. They would even do so out of a sense that Israel has embraced values that most Islamic states have not. Values such as religious freedom, uh, capitalism, uh, the right of uh, you know the a right of free trade, the right of uh, you know equal justice under the law, you know other other conventions that have that are provable historically and today. Uh, in terms of, of of resulting in more freedom and more more ability to own your own life and, and your own destiny, um, Israel could really shine a light to the to the rest of the Middle Eastern nations and the peoples of those nations in terms of how to conduct a society that is more just, that is more perfect, if you will. And in fact, I think a lot of the the hatred directed at Israel by these societies, besides the the Islamic element to it, has to do with this fear that Israeli freedoms threaten the apple cart of authoritarian, regressive regimes and regressive uh, systems. Uh, You know, the example of the Israeli as being a sort of a free man and woman conducting their own lives without government interference, that threatens um, these countries, and that's why they despise Israel, besides basic prejudice, of course, and basic anti-Jewish attitudes. In light of that, I mean, I'm writing a new book uh, called Are You a Communist?, which, of course, deals with um, what is communism and do we still have it around, even though, you know, the, the old Soviet-style communism has disintegrated um, in, and most countries are no longer part of that, although there certainly are still a few holdouts. I look at it more as a, a body of beliefs that I call communism, but that has been called various things throughout history, going all the way back to the beginning of time. What is it, and what does it involve, and how much does it influence us? I would argue that its influence is negative. Its influence appeals to the darker side of human nature, which is greed and envy and you know, a, a insecurity and phobia, the desire to fit in, the desire to be like gods, or the desire to be accepted by others, to get to be part of a um, a social network that looks glamorous, because oftentimes the communist is, or the com- the one who embraces communist beliefs, 
is a person of power, a person of success, which of course is uh, runs contrary to what they present. The fact is that the communist conspiracy has always been populated by people of influence and has always been supplied and financed by people of influence and that the uh, the tendency has always been by the the communist oriented party to uh, control and take over and manipulate public opinion in a way that benefits them um so you know this is not a new phenomena and uh, since I have a little time here, I might as well read a little bit in my book and talk about it. And again, this book is uh, you know, just still in the beginning stages. I've written the first couple of paragraph couple of chapters. This chapter I address the issue of the communist conspiracy, what I call the communist conspiracy. Communism is both an ideological as well as a literal conspiracy. Okay, we'll be back. I'll continue. As a young teenage boy, I didn't even know what autism was. How do you even spell that? A few years later, I heard that a friend's cousin's son had been diagnosed with autism. I still wasn't sure what that really meant. When I went to college, my roommate's brother had autism. When I moved to the city for work, my best friend called me and told me his son had been diagnosed with autism. We were both in shock. I still remember the day I walked into the house and saw that look on my wife's face. I knew something was wrong. I'll never forget how I felt when she said, Our son has autism. Autism is getting closer to home. Today, one in 68 children is diagnosed with autism. That's about a 30% increase in two years. Learn more at AutismSpeaks.org slash signs. Early diagnosis can make a lifetime of difference. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. Don't miss Sprint's Cut Your Bill in Half of It. Just bring your Verizon or AT&T bill and turn in your old phone, and we'll cut your rate plan in half. So if you're paying $260 a month for your family's four lines with Verizon, we'll cut it to $130. Or if you're paying $80 for yourself, we'll cut it to $40. Plus, we'll give you unlimited talk and text in the U.S. and match your data all on the Sprint network. The Cut Your Bill in Half event at Sprint. Bring us your Verizon or AT&T bill and turn in your old phone, and we'll cut your rate plan in half. Visit us at Sprint.com slash half price or go to a Sprint store today. Limited time offer available when you choose a leasing option or Sprint Easy Pay. Subject to credit and valid consumer report. Discount applied to monthly voice, text, and data charges with a minimum $10 monthly rate charge. Excludes taxes, surcharges, add-ons, apps, premium content, international services, additional lines, and device charges. Other plans may receive prioritized bandwidth availability. To improve data experience for the majority of users, throughput may be limited, varied, or reduced on the network. Max of 10 lines per account. No cash back. Third-party marks are property of their respective owners. Restrictions apply. This report is brought to you by the National Limousine Association, NLA. Ride-hailing mobile apps offer a new way for city dwellers fed up with traditional transportation to get around town. But sometimes that convenience comes at a premium most passengers seem unwilling to pay, particularly if it compromises their safety. The NLA recently commissioned Harris Poll to conduct an online survey of over 2,000 U.S. adults 18 and older. 73% would not use ride-hailing apps like Uber, Lyft, 
sidecar and whisk, if doing so, put them in harm's way, even if they were convenient. 81% of Americans see it also important to have privacy protection from their car service drivers. 84% think fares should be set regardless of traffic conditions. NLA is creating Ride Responsibly, an initiative focused on educating the industry and public about regulations, legislation, and best practices within the industry. For more information, visit rideresponsibly.org. The following from News Broadcast Network. Nestle USA has become the first major U.S. candy manufacturer to commit to removing artificial flavors and FDA-certified colors from all of its chocolate candy products. By the end of 2015, Nestle's 10 iconic chocolate brands, including Butterfinger, Crunch, and Baby Ruth, will be free of artificial flavors and colors. Leslie Moore, nutrition, health, and wellness manager at Nestle, says taste, appearance, and price will not change. Well, maintaining the great taste and appearance consumers expect from our chocolate brands they know and love is Nestle's number one priority. Research on our brands like Butterfinger show that consumers care about artificial flavors and colors. Nestle is the world's leading nutrition, health, and wellness company, and our commitment to removing artificial flavors and FDA-certified colors from our chocolate candy brands that we sell in the U.S. is an important milestone. Products will begin appearing on store shelves by mid-2015 and will be labeled No Artificial Flavors or Colors. I'm John Tridden. Chuck Morse Speaks. Thank you so much. So we're talking a little bit about, um, well, I'm, I'm talking about my book, my new book, which is not published. I'm just writing it, in which I deal with what is communism. Are you a communist? I ask the question. Um, does communism appeal to you? And when I say communism, I don't mean necessarily, you know, the Kremlin, <laughs> you know, with the, the old Soviet empire with goose-stepping troops. I'm talking about the philosophy, the idea, which I think has colonized the minds and souls of millions of people going back to the beginning of time. It goes back, you know, from a biblical standpoint, it goes back to the Garden of Eden. So let me let me just go right to this. This is my chapter. I've written four chapters already. This is a partially finished chapter, The Communist Conspiracy. Communism is both an ideological as well as a literal conspiracy. The ideological aspect of the conspiracy is based upon a conspiratorial outlook and a worldview that includes several conspiracy theories that are the stock and trade of the communist ideology. The literal aspect of the conspiracy involves the secretive workings and methods of communism itself. Dictionary.com defines conspiracy as, quote, an evil, unlawful, treacherous, or, or surreptitious plan formulated in secret by two or more persons, a plot. The central conspiracy theory of communism, the mother of all communist conspiracy theories in the vast constellation of communist conspiracy theories, holds that the haves have secretly established a mechanism by which they exploit the have-nots in order to advance their own interests. Now, to point out here, from a free market capitalist perspective, 
I am not by any means implying that the so-called haves aren't exploiting people. They are and do from time to time. But those, of course, are unique, particular situations that can be identified, and if they're violating law, they can be prosecuted. Uh, but that's not what, ca- what capitalism is. It's not what capitalism advocates. The, 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 the attack on capitalism and free market as somehow being involved in such a conspiracy is a lie. I should put that in the book. That's just commentary. Communism holds that any person or any idea or institution that blocks the way for the have-nots to achieve collectivism, which communism holds to be the ultimate virtue and the goal of existence, is a part of this conspiracy, whether or not the participants are witting or unconscious. Communism seeks to expose this conspiracy in order to abolish it in order to thus move mankind toward absolute equality or collectivism. Once the conspiracy is accepted as true, and this theory has been internalized and accepted by millions of people, such concepts as religion, the family, property, private capital, private business, free trade of goods and services, political sovereignty, and ultimately individual identity itself are viewed as part of the conspiracy since these ideas cause people to be unequal. These institutions come to be viewed as, quote, regressive by the unwitting and the enemy for the hard-boiled communist. Marx divided humanity into two dialectical camps, which he called the bourgeoisie and the proletariat. Bourgeoisie, the bourgeoisie, who were the emerging middle class along with those who became wealthy due to the industrialization of the early 19th century, were the exploiters, and the proletariat, or the workers, were the exploited. That's a sim- simple equation. Curiously, Marx tended to favor, at least implicitly, the old aristocracy as old money and titled power, then and now, served as the backbone of support for the communist movement. The worker, the toiler, is viewed as the source of production, and as such, the worker is viewed as the true creator of wealth. While the businessman, the investor, the administrator, is viewed as the parasite siphoning off the system. Existing concomitant with this conspiracy theory, the theory of exploitation, is the theory of scarcity, a concept that was first popularized by elite British scholars. Reverse diabetes and stop taking your diabetes medication. If you or someone you care about has diabetes or prediabetes, There's a special free video you need to watch. You may have heard about this. It's all over the Internet. Diabetic99.com People who have followed this plan at Diabetic99.com have not only normalized their blood sugar, but have stopped taking their diabetes meds completely with their doctor's approval. 
Diabetic99.com is a natural, drug-free approach to reversing diabetes with remarkable results in as little as four weeks. Diabetic99.com will save you from being a slave to doctor-prescribed drugs. It's easy. Diabetic99.com gives you three specific actions to get your blood sugar under control. And the best part is the main ingredient and solution is a common spice found in most kitchens. Watch the free video for yourself at Diabetic99.com. Watch for free at Diabetic99.com. Get back the quality of your life and free yourself from diabetes medication. Go to Diabetic99.com. This report is brought to you by the National Limousine Association and L.A. Ride-hailing mobile apps offer a new way for city dwellers fed up with traditional transportation to get around town. But sometimes that convenience comes at a premium most passengers seem unwilling to pay, particularly if it compromises their safety. The NLA recently commissioned Harris Poll to conduct an online survey of over 2,000 U.S. adults 18 and older. 73% would not use ride-hailing apps like Uber, Lyft, Sidecar, and Whisk if doing so put them in harm's way, even if they were convenient. 81% of Americans see it also important to have privacy protection from their car service drivers. 84% think fares should be set regardless of traffic conditions. NLA is creating Ride Responsibly, an initiative focused on educating the industry and public about regulations, legislation, and best practices within the industry. For more information, visit rideresponsibly.org. Chuck Morse speaks. Thanks so much, and I'm going to just step aside from my uh, text here to talk about a breaking story. This just came over to us. The U.S. Senate has dropped objections to Obama amnesty. This really boils my blood. You know what this means? This means that the amnesty announced by Obama in November by executive order will grant legal status, work permits, and social security numbers to as many as 4 million illegal immigrants, or as the Obama administration now calls them, Americans to be. Why would they do this? You know what this this means that, by the way, the IRS, uh, Commissioner Koskinen, has acknowledged in congressional testimony that... um, the illegal immigrants are going to get earned income tax credit checks for upwards of three or four years, and they're going to get them right away. Now, I know people who are still waiting for their refund a year later because the IRS claims that they can't process them or they're making some other excuse. Maybe they might, it might be a bit of a lowest learner type situation. They're not on the right side politically. We're talking here about American citizens who have earned the, you know, this money, whereas now the illegal aliens are going to get their checks probably within 48 hours. I mean, you, you watch those checks fly, and we're talking about who knows how many millions of dollars are going to go into their pockets, right? That basically they will now, given that they have legal status without any conditions apparently, they could go on welfare. It could be like the Tarnoff brothers who blew up the Boston World Tra- uh, the Boston Marathon, you know, and who were on all sorts of welfare programs the entire time they were in this country, local, state, and federal. We're talking about, um, 
you know, and they were here under, by the way, refugee status, in spite of the fact that the uh, the Russian government had told the American, uh, the FBI and the CIA that these people were potential terrorists. We're talking about millions of dollars that are now going to be sucked out of the pockets of working people. Now, some of these people were working, for sure, and I suppose they're, they're you know, as such, uh, were, were they paying into the Social Security system? I don't think so. I think they were working probably under the table. So, you know, the Social Security system is being used as a sort of an informal form of well, uh, form of welfare. But but what bothers me about this is that this unlawful executive order that Obama has now stated was done under what he calls enhanced executive authority is being financed by the Republicans in the U.S. Senate. And the other thing that's interesting about it is that the appropriation bill that the U.S. Senate was considering is tied into the funding of the Homeland Security Department. So in other words, if they vetoed it, they're going to cut all funding to the Department of Homeland Security, which means that law enforcement jobs will be uh, temporarily suspended and uh, agencies will be curtailed. So, you know, it's kind of like a, a catch-22 situation here. You know, if you don't uh, support, I mean, Obama is brilliant at this, I guess, for certain. If you don't, if you if you don't pass Obama's uh, unlawful executive order, then you're going to cut off funding to an agency that most Americans view as necessary, and that is necessary to an extent. Although I think that um, George W. Bush, unfortunately basically created another mega national agency by cobbling together all of these various agencies without really doing a good audit to find out whether or not these things are needed. So that's that's inherent to the problem in a more systemic way. Okay, we'll be right back. A Truth Talk defender, Chuck Morse is someone you really do want to know. Chuck hosts the radio talk show Chuck Morse Speaks, which is nationally syndicated. He's the author of books and numerous columns that have been published broadly. Chuck received the 2003 Communicator of the Year Award and was named a heavy 100 radio talk host by Talkers Magazine. When Chuck Morse Speaks, people listen. The taking possession of this tiny holy land so that the, the Jew can serve God, not conquer the world. To hear Chuck live, go to irnusaradio.com. To hear Chuck with Deborah Ray on Truth Talk Beyond the Soundbite, visit the On Demand page at deborahray.us. Most of us have pondered about the one universal question. Is there a God? And if there is, is there any absolute proof? It is for that exact reason why my good friend Sam Sorbo and I, Marius Forte, have written our book, The Answer, Proof of God in Heaven. In essence, the answers in our book are surprisingly simple as they're true. 
Just as light will eliminate darkness, so does the law, which in Greek is called cosmos, eliminate the possibility of chance. Therefore, chance had no part in the creation of the law, this cosmos. And so the only other possibility is that the law was created by a creator that we call God. The answer, proof of God in heaven, is probably one of the most powerful books that truly proves the existence of God via his universal laws, and with it that of an eternal soul and everlasting life. Please find our book, The Answer, Proof of God in Heaven, now on Amazon.com or at our website, theanswer-book.com. Your bill in half of it. Just bring your Verizon or AT&T bill and turn in your old phone, and we'll cut your rate plan in half. So if you're paying $260 a month for your family's four lines with Verizon, we'll cut it to $130. Or if you're paying $80 for yourself, we'll cut it to $40. Plus, we'll give you unlimited talk and text in the U.S. and match your data all on the Sprint Network. The Cut Your Bill in Half event at Sprint. Bring us your Verizon or AT&T bill and turn in your old phone, and we'll cut your rate plan in half. Visit us at Sprint.com slash half price or go to a Sprint store today. Limited time offer available when you choose a leasing option or Sprint Easy Pay. Subject to credit and valid consumer port. Discount applied to monthly voice, text, and data charges with a minimum $10 monthly rate charge. Excludes taxes, surcharges, add-ons, apps, premium content, international services, additional lines, and device charges. Other plans may receive prioritized bandwidth availability. To improve data experience for the majority of users, throughput may be limited, varied, or reduced on the network. Max of 10 lines per account. No cash back. Third-party marks are property of their respective owners. Restrictions apply. Taking back America one listener at a time. Chuck Morse speaks. Thanks so much. So what we have then is a breaking story. The Department of the U.S. Senate has approved Obama's unlawful order. It says here, if Senate Republican leaders caved in. This is according to uh, the Washington Times. On the Homeland Security spending fight on Friday morning. Voting with Democrats, that was just literally hours ago, to delete provisions that would have stopped President Obama's deportation amnesty in order to avoid a partial shutdown of the Homeland Security Department at midnight. You know, this is real blackmail, and it's interesting that we're all so afraid, and the Republicans are so afraid of these shutdowns, and yet the, the, the constitutional responsibility of the U.S. Congress is to fund government agencies and shut them down or curtail funding. I mean, I don't hear too many Republicans, and I haven't heard anyone at CPAC, and there have been some great speakers, especially my favorite, which is a Scott, Governor Scott Walker. Uh talk about many important themes that we need to look at in the coming election, but none have brought up the fact that these federal agencies, they need to be curtailed. They need to, in some cases, be abolished. I mean, the Department of Homeland Security, it, it was necessary in the aftermath of 9-11, but the way it was done was that um, basically the federal government took something like must have been probably over many dozens of existing agencies, and they just cobbled the whole thing together into one gigantic new national agency. They could have probably gotten rid of several of those. They could have consolidated others. They could have curtailed and cut back others. 
And besides saving the taxpayers probably hundreds of millions of dollars, and besides uh, not uh, you know basically feeding and clothing a lot of political hacks who are just uh, you know uh, are they doing anything really for us? Have they actually improved homeland security? I don't know. Besides that, they would have further curtailed certain areas by which these agencies have gone beyond their original mission. Most of us have pondered about the one universal question. Is there a God? And if there is, is there any absolute proof? It is for that exact reason why my good friend Sam Sorbo and I, Marius Forte, have written our book, The Answer, Proof of God in Heaven. In essence, the answers in our book are surprisingly simple as they're true. Just as light will eliminate darkness, so does the law, which in Greek is called cosmos, eliminate the possibility of chance. Therefore, chance had no part in the creation of the law of this cosmos. And so the only other possibility is that the law was created by a creator that we call God. The answer, Proof of God in Heaven, is probably one of the most powerful books that truly proves the existence of God via His universal laws, and with it that of an eternal soul and everlasting life. Please find our book, The Answer, Proof of God in Heaven, now on Amazon.com or at our website, theanswer-book.com. Chuck Morse Speaks. Thank you very much. Christopher Cameron is my guest. The book is To Plead Our Own Cause, African Americans in Massachusetts and the Making of the Anti-Slavery Movement. Christopher, um, how influential were Calvinist ideas to the development of the black church? And how influential were those ideas to the civil rights movement itself in the 1960s? Uh, Calvinist ideas were important in the development Black Baptist churches. Um, so the first uh, Black Baptist church arose in Savannah, Georgia, in 1775, uh, and then there were a few more congregations throughout the South, as well as a Black Baptist church in Boston in 1806, and um, and throughout other northern cities. So it was primarily important within that denomination um, during the early uh, late 18th and early 19th century. Um, but it would not be as important in the sort of larger African Methodist Episcopal and African Methodist Episcopal Zion denominations. Um, there we mm-hmm. see a sort of move away from Calvinism towards more Arminian ideas that you can choose your own spiritual uh, fate, you can choose to be saved. Um, so they really start most uh, black Christians in the 19th century would sort of move away from ideas of uh, predestination. One thing that they didn't move away from, though, whether you were Methodist, Baptist, whatever denomination, is the notion that God had a covenant uh, with the American people, right? Um, And that you had to Mm -hmm. live a just and moral and virtuous life on an individual level and at the national level if this society was going to survive and continue to thrive and grow, right? So... Um, that idea sure. was really infused throughout black Christianity and would play a very prominent role in both abolitionism and in civil rights um, 
a hundred years later. And and we see the same thing um, even among you know members of the Nation of Islam, Black Baptist churches, Black Methodist churches in the 1960s. There's still this powerful idea um, of a covenant with God, right? And if Americans yeah. break this covenant through slavery or through racism and Jim Crow in the 20th century, then God is going to have his wrath against the nation. So it, it would certainly continue to play a very powerful role throughout black religious and intellectual history. <clears throat> I also think that these ideas and, and uh, you know, the covenant idea, the uh, atonement idea, uh, other biblical ideas, absolutely animated the public speeches and utterances of the late, great Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, and that that was the moral underpinning of the whole movement. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I very briefly touch on this at the end of my book, but the activists that I explore um, in my work, Phyllis Wheatley and Prince Hall and Lemuel Haynes and David Walker, were really the sort of intellectual predecessors of um, the more famous people that we know from the 20th century, like Malcolm X or Fannie Lou Hamer or Martin Luther King, right? Um, these 18th and early 19th century activists really sort of initiated the uh, rhetorical strategies um, and the kind of uh, the mixture of religion and politics um, that great civil rights leaders would employ 100 years later. Right, and that uh, I think that this was really the this presentation more than anything else is what led to the success of the movement. I mean, it's uh, it was eventually embraced by most well-meaning white people, including people in the South who who were not that inclined, because it it, it resonated. It, it made sense. I mean, there was a moral component. Once that that's what won the day, and that's exactly what Martin Luther King predicted. Yeah, I think you're right. But um, you make it important point in saying it was embraced by most well-meaning uh, white people in the South, right? And how many well-meaning right, people there were is certainly up to debate, right? So um, even as sure, widespread sure. as the civil rights movement was, um, it was still not very, very widely embraced by all of American society. And we see at the end of the 1960s a very sharp backlash um, to the civil rights movement. Right, right. But I think that, and sure, I mean, there's obviously it wasn't embraced, but I think it was generally embraced by, by the vast majority and because of its moral message. Um, yeah. and, and that, uh, you know, I mean, I think it's, it's, it's what made the change. Uh, you know, it's why we've rejected these, you know, the, the ideas that were prevalent before it, like Jim Crow laws. Um, mm -hmm. There are other reasons why I think people might have problems with the civil rights movement, but it's not because of the moral aspect to it. Um, you know, the, the the moral aspect to it, I think, resonated and became very much a part of uh, mainstream American thinking. Yeah, yeah, I think I think you're right, Christopher Cameron. I want to thank you for joining me this afternoon. I appreciate it. We'll do it again. Hi, thank you. To plead our own cause. Thank you very much, sir. This report is brought to you by Staples. More managers are encouraging sick employees to stay home, but your colleagues still came in with a flu and. <laughs>
Now, you've got it too. The flu costs the U.S. more than $87 billion annually and is responsible for the loss of nearly 17 million workdays. According to the fifth annual flu survey from Staples, 60% of office workers attend work despite their illness, meaning the workplace's best defense is a good offense. Chris Carenti, Vice President and General Manager, Staples Facility Solutions. With a few easy steps, the spread of illness can be significantly curbed, leaving employees healthier and more productive. Staples encourages protecting employees during flu season through three measures, educating them about flu prevention, providing the right supplies, and offering alternatives to attending work while sick. Providing hand sanitizer, cleaning supplies, and telecommuting options for the ill can help keep the office flu-free. Employers can also stress the importance of washing hands, taking recovery time, and cleaning shared surface areas. For more information, visit staples.com slash flu prevention. You'll want to listen when Chuck Moore speaks on the Information Radio Network. The camera is joining me. Uh, professor at uh, Kent State University. We're all going to plead our own cause. African Americans in Massachusetts and the making of the anti-slavery movement. It's really a very insightful book, and um, I'm, I'm hoping to have him back um, soon once I finish the book. Uh, the uh, I was listening before this program to uh, my radio host colleague Jeff Cooner on WRKO debate Jeff Jacoby, who is a conservative columnist for the Boston Globe, and who wrote a column attacking Jeff and his rally on the State House steps here in Massachusetts, um, which was against uh, the illegal immigration, referring to them as nativist referring to um, them as unhinged and, and basically a, a very hard-hitting, nasty column. And uh, I thought that uh, Jeff Cooter had, uh, had uh, Jeff Jacoby on the program. They cleared away all commercials and, and calls and breaks, and they went at it for an hour and a half without a single interruption. It was one of the best radio segments that I have ever heard. Um, it reminded me of what WRKO did back in the day, when my mentor, the late, great Jerry Williams, had on Governor Michael Dukakis. This was uh, 1989, 1990, around that time. And again, they cleared away all commercials, they cleared away all interruptions, and they just went mano a mano. Um, and it was just a tremendous, memorable radio moment. Uh, so I congratulate both Jeff Cooner and Jeff Jacoby. I've invited both of them on this program uh, separately. They want to come on together. They're welcome, um, and I hope that they respond because, uh, to my way of thinking, just from a sheer radio standpoint, this is the essence of what I believe talk radio is all about. You had a real argument on real differences presented by two very brilliant and accomplished uh, radio people who know how to handle themselves on the air and who are both intellectuals in their own right, and. Uh, I'm just uh, amazed that, that it took place. Now, in the next hour, hour number two here, we'll be joined by S.C. Sherman, who is the author of the book Mercy Shot. He wants to talk about Elizabeth Warren. So stay tuned for that. We'll be back after these messages. Listen to the Information Radio Network. As like us walk into a facility in the morning, we can smell a problem. No one needs to hand us a work order. We already know it. Today, for instance, we need a new gearbox, six globe valves, and a dozen ballasts. And when I smell a problem, Granger smells that I smell a problem. They help me keep this place up and running. 
Now that's the kind of smell I like. The sweet smell of success. Get it? Got it? Good. Call, clickgranger.com or stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Musicians, now through Sunday at Guitar Center, don't miss the big payback. For every $50 you spend, we're giving you $10 in Guitar Center bucks good towards a future purchase. That's right, we're paying you back up to 500 Guitar Center bucks. So come by and get hands-on with the gear you really want. From the best guitars, drums, keyboards, and amplifiers to the most state-of-the-art DJ, live sound, and recording gear. Because during Guitar Center's big payback weekend, the more you spend, the more you earn. In-store and guitarcenter.com. Exclusions and limitations apply. Visit Guitar Center.